Hi there. Tuesday evenings are for talking technology. And yes, on 97.3 City FM, that's exactly what we do. We talk tech. You're welcome to City Trends. City Trends is sponsored by First National Bank. How can we help you? And of course, coming up on the show today, we have to go back to basics. Mm. And the basics about moving things from point A to point B. Mm. And if you're building technology, you're coming up with any new innovation, then you have to ask yourself, does that innovation help reduce the cost of moving things from point A to point B? Um, does it create more value for the people who you're moving it for and are they willing to pay for it? Incredible conversations coming your way, but then you can be a part of the discussion by simply doing this. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrends. Well, it is not every day you get a chance to sit with award-winning CEOs and technologists and dreamers and doers. But today happens to be one of those days when we get to have all those things in one human being and even much more. Today, we are having a conversation with um, a gentleman who is who considers, who considers himself to be still growing. But then, trust me, he's done quite a bit for a young man his age and he aims to do even much more. It's not a straight road, but it's a road that he has enjoyed very well and it is a road that he will be telling us more about. The Agritech Road and how we chart Ghana's path moving forward. That is the topic we are going to break down today with the CEO of PharmaLine, founder of PharmaLine, um, face of PharmaLine, award winner of PharmaLine, <laughs> Aloysius Atta. Aloysius, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Very happy to be here. Very happy to be connected again. Uh, yeah, and to chat and hopefully share and learn from each other. Um, yeah, I'm happy. Well, I mean, first things first. Award winner, <laughs> fresh award winner, Catalyst Bloomberg. Yeah. I mean, tell us about tell us about that award. Tell us about how you even got into this position of currently being named on literally every website that you open your face being there what 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 was that all about how is that making you feel how's a family feeling about that tell us about that to be honest like i didn't know it to be a big deal until i started i started seeing other people react to it so we're surprised to be honest we didn't apply for it uh the bloomberg team both like in new york and london reached out to say that michael bloomberg the billionaire like you know the guy who ran for the uh, he he's putting up uh, together a list of 30 people in the world um, that will be in their inaugural catalyst class so this is actually the first time they're doing this you know he does this conference called the new economy forum where like you know in order he brings world leaders together to talk about the future and how they can contribute to make the world a better place so so they reached out they said like hey you know we are considering you for this list like are you interested i said, yeah we are of course we are of course yeah you know why not right what's there to lose um so we had a few calls and then they sent an email some few weeks ago to say that that we are making it to the list but they wouldn't reveal who the other people were right so when the list finally came out and we saw the company like we realized that we're the only Ghanaian company uh uh, I think uh, one out of three Africans on the list of 30, um, you know, they have like 
you know, astronauts and uh, world leaders and other people on the list. It, it's just like really, really interesting, right? So it's, you know, it's a great, com- like, you know, compliment to the work that we are doing. Don't get it wrong. Like, you know, my face is there. Uh, but the, I think like I, the work, like, you know, the, the recognition came from the work that Farmerline is doing. The Farmerline is not me. Family is a company that's been around for eight years, right? We are entering our ninth year now. Uh, our mission is to create lasting profit for farmers. Many young people, many young Ghanaians, Nigerians, Zimbabweans have worked for this company to put it to this, to put it to where it is today. We have, we are standing on the shoulders of many people to get to where we are, to actually have a real chance of getting closer to our mission, which is to create generational wealth for farmers. So I'm just very humble and very thankful that. The work that we are all doing has been recognized, right? Um, because the mission is very important. How do we create more jobs, help more farmers to produce more food to feed the future? And how do we support them to create wealth? Mm-hmm. It's very important. Wealth creation um, is not something that is often spoken about in agriculture sector. Many people speak about how do we support farmers to survive. But I don't know of a farmer who wants to survive. All farmers want to make money. They want to create wealth. They want to get out of their situation and have a better life. And that's what family is about. And 60 people, over 60 people, are working every day between our Accra office, Kumasi office, Tamale office, and Wa office are sweating. You, you know, you just came into the office. You saw people that's working right. after 5 p.m. and 6 yeah. p.m. because the plant season has started. So people work really hard. And I talk about the work. That's why my face is there. So this award is for everyone that is working at Farmer Line, those who have supported us and those who are who have worked at Farmer Line in the past. So, yeah, just very thankful. What, 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 does it, what does it mean to be in the inaugural cohort, if I should say? Yeah. Um, what, do you, can you give us a glimpse of what the next couple of weeks and months is going to look like being a part of this um, inaugural cohort? Yeah, so the goal is to celebrate our work. Celebrate our work to drive more opportunities, right? So there may be a lot of like press opportunities coming up. There is uh, an event that is happening online on the 30th of June. I encourage all of you to check it out on the New Economic Forum website. Um, I'll be speaking there as well, along with all the other catalysts. There's, there may be another one happening in Singapore in November. I may be there as well. But more importantly, the community. I've been part of many fellowships in the past, like Echoing Green. The power of community is just to work with people who have done great things before to learn from them your peers and people who are even ahead of you there are people who who run like billion dollar businesses right um like you know and there's so much to learn from so for me that's that is the biggest value add mm-hmm. i belong to a, a fellowship group called echoing green we joined seven years ago with my co-founder emmanuel um that fellowship if i go to any country in the world and i post it on our page and say hey i'm in haiti or i'm in india and i need a place to crash or i need you to introduce me to investors in this country someone will reach will reach out and they offer it right you know so that's the power of the fellowship and the community and that's what i look forward to because this job entrepreneurship is not a joke it's hard you know like i know they like to celebrate founders as celebrities but we are not uh, I, I don't think founders should be celebrated as celebrities because um, the job is really, really hard. And we're just very thankful that we get to join communities like this that make it a little bit easier, mm-hmm. right? So you can learn from other people because no one truly have all the answers. Nobody. Uh, and if you can benefit from the experience of other people, that's even better. So you don't have to leave and make those same mistakes. So that's a part of the community that comes with uh, being part of this list. I mean, and, and speaking about the amount of work that you need to put in as as entrepreneurs, as as startups, as business owners, I think that's where I also want to send a bit of the conversation yeah. because clearly the space that you occupy is a very, 
people don't really see how much work actually goes into building an agritech firm from scratch people don't see for example like you're talking about the farming season people don't understand the mechanics behind the scene a lot of people see you know the artworks and the billboards and automatically think that that's just what it is but clearly there's a conversation that is not happening and in this conversation of trying to chat the pathway for agritech in Ghana. I want us to start from from that point of view. The the things that people don't see that is made to look like glitter at the end of the day. Talk to us about what it has been like building an agritech firm from scratch and getting it to this point. Well, <laughs> I wish I, we knew what we're getting ourselves into. When we started, we had no idea what, what we're getting ourselves into. Technology was sexy, right? We wanted to build technology that would go viral, mm -hmm. have many farmers using it. But agriculture is beyond sexy technology. It's like old school, hard work, hard, hardcore boots on the ground, like in the field, sweating, getting the work done. It is about logistics. It's about dealing with people. It's about understanding the traditions uh, and the language uh, of many tribes and ha having the ability to build partnerships, to build teams like around like it's so is is really difficult when we started it, it started as an sms platform to send messages to farmers we quickly realized sms wouldn't work so we started using voice ghana even people who went to university like to even speak themselves express themselves in their native language tree I'm, I'm a voterian when i'm home i speak ever so people do that a lot right so people just love to like communicate and consume information and content in their native language so we quickly switched from sms to voice we're one of the first companies to start sending messages to farmers uh, in, in their local dialect on their phone, right? Um, and and the problem that we're trying to solve was that the access, you know, access to information to farmers um, is extremely limited. You and I can go online and Google information and access it. Farmers in rural areas without access to uh, smartphones or internet really have to depend on their field officers, the extension officers to deliver information. That was a challenge. It is still a problem. So that's what we started with. When we started with information, we realized that this is this is beyond information play it is about access to services mm -hmm. services like fertilizer and seeds high quality fertilizer and seeds affordable prices to farmers is a big challenge so we kind of like evolved from a company that was just sending voice messages mm -hmm. to like a logistics a marketplace company like you know in think of it like a amazon for farmers we move thousands of bags of fertilizer a week now this isn't started in may Right, so we started like distributing fertilizer and seeds. Like we've been moving hundreds and thousands of bags every week, and it's so difficult because you have to work with truck drivers, trailers, who, you know, at times you can have a driver that disappears. Like you know, they are moving two thousand bags of fertilizer, and then you don't hear from them from two days, and you have to trust that they are actually going to deliver it in the village that they are taking it to, or they tell you I'm going to come tomorrow. You have to like trust they will come. At times they don't show up. We have to explain to your customer that you know they paid you money so you still have to deliver so like just managing all these things and i and i will tell you it's very difficult it is, it's, it's very difficult in a country where we are still trying to figure out our last mile distribution we are still trying to figure out our road network we are still trying to deal with traffic and all those things so i, I it, it is very hard uh but what i'm thankful for is that the team makes it easier uh, we have people that work very they work really uh, they work really really hard to make sure that we get we source the right fertilizer and seeds on time we deliver it to our customers on time when the season ends we also move it from the farmers and get, bring it to the like you know city centers and all that last year we we're very fortunate to export um soybean to to turkey right so we want to keep working hard to connect uh, 
uh, Ghanaian farmers to both local and global market for one common goal. We want to help them to create more wealth. We want to help them to make more profit, more money, um, and more money should stay in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what we're all about. Now, I mean, with 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 the with a vision like that, yeah. clearly, like you were saying in the beginning, it's very sexy technology. It is. <laughs> How long did it take you to realize that it is not as sexy as you you people paint it to be? Well, I wish it, 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 uh, you know, I, you know, I wish we enjoyed that honeymoon for a while. My partner, uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel also, uh, you know, he, he's right there, the, uh, downstairs working with the team. When we first built the first prototype, it was an SMS platform. So we went to Kwaraso Agri College. It's in Kumasi. We were both in at tech mm-hmm. at the time. So we were like, hey, we came up with this innovation. It's going to revolutionize agriculture. We were so arrogant and cocky. <laughs> we thought we were going to save the world. <laughs> so we met one of 50 extension officers. We were like, look, what we've done is going to take your jobs away. You don't have to. We don't need any agent anymore. SMS is automated. They're just looking at it. Look at these fools. <laughs> but they didn't say that, but they can actually look at their face like, these guys are so naive. They think... But they gave us one valuable knowledge. They're like, first of all, they're like, so how are farmers going to read your SMS? Even those who went to school even want to get... Like, I went to school, but I can't read ever. I can speak ever, but I can't read it. Mm-hmm. Right? And many people who can speak tree, but they can't read tree. So they want to hear tree. But first of all, sec- second of all, when you go to rural areas, the currency is trust. So they, they are not going to be trusting information from ra- some random thing, just sending a message. They don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. They, but they believe, they follow the instructions of the extension officer because they know the person. They know their house. They know their family. There's a community. There's a bond, right? That's what we didn't understand, but that's what they taught us. They're like, you got to go back, you know, you, gotta, you have to look back to move forward. Mm-hmm. You have to go back to old school ways of, of doing things, understand that, and try to bring change. But like, just don't stay in the lab somewhere, innovate and try and think that you're going to, um, you know, save the world, right? So we learned that very quickly. So we switched from voice, uh, SMS, to voice application. And when we started delivering information, we realized that if you tell somebody where to get fertilizer and seeds and they can't go to what, like, you know, and they can't get it, the information is useless. If you tell someone that, like, okay, this fertilizer is of bad quality, this is good, but you don't show them, you don't help them to get it, it's still useless. So information alone is not enough. Mm. You still have to work with them to get them the, the services that they need beyond the information. So that's what we, we kind of evolved from a technology platform to a, a company that guarantees that if you work with us, We'll deliver the product to you on the same day. We'll get your fertilizer and seeds to you on the same day when you make your down payment. Heck, you don't even have to pay all the money. We'll bring it to you. Mm. When your produce are ready, if you work with us and join our network, we'll source from you and we'll pay you instantly. You don't have to wait for many days to get your money. So whether you're growing soybean or maize uh, or sorghum, we will work with you to connect you to market. Or yam. Ghana is one of the largest exporters of yam in the world mm. uh, to, uh, to the UK and the US. If you grow that in northern Ghana anywhere you are, we can work with you to connect you to market in a way that helps you to make more money, to make more wealth and more profit. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. It's just, it's just interesting for me and one of the things that I wanted to and push with you is also you know the decision when you realize that the sms probably will not work the arrogance was knocked straight out of you but then the humility to also pick up lessons from what you are being told 
and then make that change in your approach to the business. It's not very easy. And I'm guessing this was this was in the early stages of the business. You know, so you have such a big belief in the solution, but then still humble enough to understand that you probably will have to make changes to your technology right from the beginning. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't really have the stomach to be able to do that. And I'm just wondering your thoughts around that and how technology solution providers should actually start thinking much more along being a little malleable and a little more agile, especially even in the very beginning when, let's say you've built a product, you've tested it, everything is working, all of a sudden you have to scrap it and then start all over again. How, how do you manage that as a newcomer into the space and still wanting to pursue your, your goal and your dream? Yeah, uh, we're very fortunate to, to have a team that is obsessed with winning. Mm. And winning means creating value that doesn't exist uh, and getting paid a fraction of that value. So we wanted to create value at scale. Uh, we wanted whatever we're doing to be able to keep it up independently, so, not, so to not depend on others to determine whether we operate or not. So we have to make money from it. And we have to figure out how can we take this value to millions of people. So that was something that has been the core of what we're doing. So when we realized very quickly, of course, like, it was very difficult to take when those agents, they bashed us. Right, like we, we came from tech fresh, they bashed us. They're like, You cry, have you been to a farm before? Like, they, <laughs> they, you know, so like, yeah, I don't like, of course, it, it was very difficult to to uh, to take. But when we, take a, when we took a step back, we realized that, like, you know, we were obsessed with winning uh, than our ego. Like, you know, the desire to win is bigger than our ego to preserve something that we had that wasn't working, right? So we cared more about making sure that. We create value. When you work with rural populations, you're not going to be paid if you don't create any value. You have to create value, and the value has to be big enough for the person to want to give you back some of it in terms of money. And if they give you back some of it, like how do you ensure that they, you keep creating a value so that they keep coming back to you? And how do you make sure that how you're creating the value, you can be able to take it and reach millions of people? Right? So that's what we've done. Right? Um, uh, technology played a role in that. It made it easier, but it wasn't like you know the magic uh, bullet right um so that's yeah like you know that's how we've been very fortunate um you know somehow to make some progress in the sector people there's a big conversation going on you know today about agri-tech and how it's going to transform the world and things like that and you did indicate earlier that that is you know when you when you walked up to that school and those extension of that's what you told them Charlie we have a technology that's going to change the world you know what are we doing right and what aren't we doing right when it comes to architect space in Ghana today yeah that's a that's a very interesting question I think we just have to we, we, have, you know, we have to go back to basics. Mm. And the basics about moving things from point A to point B. Mm. And if you're building technology, you're coming up with any new innovation, then you have to ask yourself, does that innovation help reduce the cost of moving things from point A to point B? Um, does it create more value for the people who you're moving it for and are they willing to pay for it? Mm. Um, you also have to put this in perspective. There are about 4 million farmers in Ghana. There's no agri company in general that is serving about half a million farmers actively. You know how you and I, I don't know which network you use. I use MTN. Mm. So every year I use MTN. I've been using MTN since, since 2006. So I'm an active user. So every year I come back and I use MTN. I don't just discard it. The, if you come to farmers, there are no organizations that are serving farmers year on year. There will be NGOs that support them. 
Are you serious? Uh, yeah, they're using all my support them for three years. When their funding runs out, they go back. Or, or they may be like, you know, government programs that run for four years. When the government changes, a new one comes. So there's no sustained effort. Yeah, exactly. Engaging there, there are some, but it's very small. There's, there's somebody that have scaled their effort to reach half a million farmers. There are, there are wow. people that are like, they're big organizations that are like 100,000. Mm-hmm. Like at most 200, that's it. NGOs, they report big numbers and all that, uh, you know, for projects. So for just a exactly for a period in goes away. So when you look at the reality on the ground, there are very few organizations actually like, you know, like let's hustle and just make get, make this happen and let's make it happen year on year. So for we don't even worry about competition. But there are four million mm-hmm. and nobody has said the million yet. The competition is on like websites and pitching competitions and press release. So there's this company who has won this award. Uh, there's this person speaking at this event. And we all compete for press, we compete for investments, we compete for grants and awards wow. and when it comes to real customers hardcore customers paying you for hardcore services very few companies are doing it we, if you google agri-tech companies in ghana there are many companies that will pop up really good companies with good ideas but the hard if any for us we decide to focus on doing the hard work the logistics warehouses like moving product from point, point, point a and b and our mission is to create lasting profit for farmers so our approach is that we're going to like you know put our head down and do the hard work. If you have to beat us in the market, then you have to do the hard work and do it better too. And if you do the hard work and beat us, we still achieve our mission, lasting profit of farming, because you have to deliver good like services to customers. You have to provide um, customer support so the farmers can call you and bash you because maybe the fertilizer caked or, or maybe the, like you said it was going to rain in the afternoon by rain in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like just treat them as customers and be respectful. Um, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I still can't get over this fact that yeah. you just, you know, we don't have any one organization yeah. serving a million farmers, half, minimum, yeah. half a million, half a, million, yeah, year on year. There is none. Yeah, the big boys are doing, like, if you look at Cargill's of the world, those organizations might be doing 200,000, like, all the, like, Ola, maybe 190 something thousand. I don't know. We don't work with them. But, Government programs, of course, they reach like let's say two million, but they're government programs. Like yeah, for a period after they change another party, another one comes, they bring a modification of it or they change it all over again. So there's a massive room and, and all those programs have a role to play. I'm not trying to CDM and be like, all right, yours. No, all those programs have a role to play. Government has a role to play, NGOs have a role to play. But there's also a massive room for private organizations to raise private capital, come in and do good and also make money in the process. And that's what Family is about. We want to create more wealth, more profit for farmers, more wealth for agribusinesses that we are supporting and the groups and partners that we are supporting. And that's what we are <clears throat> focused on because there's, when, you, when you think about that and then the, its implementation and doing it at scale, we don't see any competition in that front. Now, <laughs> I mean, I know you hinted on it, but I just want to touch base on it just real quick. What it means is that a lot of tech entrepreneurs, especially within the agri-tech space, end up chasing more the glitz and the glamour of it than on the ground, boots on the ground, transforming lives of farmers. I, I don't know if it's just me, but that's a very scary prospect for young people, old people, people who are looking as always, to transform a Greek, you know, in a country, seeing the obvious challenges that our farmers go through, our agriculturists go through, for us not to have that base of individuals and people who 
are on the ground fixing the agric problem because the agric problem is pretty well known to us it's been known to us since ages you know substances farming and all these other we've known the problem for so long but it's very scary when you talk about the fact that a lot of the folks within the agri-tech space end up chasing more of the limelight than actually fixing the problem for which you know they were set up to do anyway yeah and and to be honest i wouldn't see and blame them i've done that before I, you have to do what you have to do to survive to survive because i i think it's a systemic issue mm. when you start a business what is it, what's the first thing that you're taught learn how to pitch mm. wrong if another life in another life i started a business again i wouldn't learn how to pitch well, at least not to investors. I'll learn how to talk to my customers and to make sure I'm solving a problem first. It's not, it's not like creating a website, a pitch deck, and then start chasing investors. Like, don't chase investors. If you good, great, if build a, now there's more money to deploy than, in, like, than good business to invest in. So if you build a good business, you get money mm. to invest in. Mm. But in the very early stages, like everybody, prime entrepreneurs, like a lot of pitch competition, you have to do what you got to do to get some money, but like your business shouldn't end with a pitch. You should go beyond the pitch. Mm. Um, and also, we don't have local money supporting entrepreneurs. Mm. There's not enough of black capital. Mm. So a lot of us have to travel out of the country, go to the West, go to like the US, go to Europe, to try and participate in these conferences, competitions, to get exposure, yes. for, to be taken seriously. Mm. When we started Farmaline, there were very few, I think the only act, uh, you know, social enterprise at the time was M Pedigree. Mm. Like, there were very few mm. social enterprises when we started. People were not taking us seriously. Mm. Ghanaians were like the banks didn't know what to do with us even registered general like what is social enterprise you're not for profit you're, you're not fully for profit you're not an NGO too where do you fit like the task didn't know what to do with us the banks like first of all you're a tech company you don't have any collateral I'm not giving you any money so people go through these real challenges so when they look around how do I attract resources how do I get exposure okay let me use my story my innovation to get into a speaking gig to go and speak at a conference to pay for my flight I fly there let me use my my work to apply for some pitching competition. Let me apply for some fifty thousand. We did that too. Now we won't do that anymore because we've just we've grown through that. Mm. All those things are great, but then like if, if if entrepreneurs have to jump all those hoops to solve very important problems like producing food to feed the future, that's not okay. I hope that the next farmer lines don't have to spend like eight years to get to where we get to where we are now. Like in year one, year two, you should get a support and the credibility to get to the next level. Mm. So, so like, I wouldn't blame those people. Mm. It's a systems thing. I hope it changes. I hope we share more and more stories. We share more blueprints about what entrepreneurs can do to get to the next level and not necessarily, like, go through the path that we took to get to this point. Mm. But, yeah, like, you know, we need more, you know, we need more black money. We need more black capital. I'm not saying, like, bad money, but, like, black people, Africans, Ghanaians, mm -hmm to believe and putting money into companies and supporting them not just like don't just go and buy treasure bill or like you know like you know well let me build another house but like you know people should take bets and it's happening yeah. and some few Ghanaians that i know people who are like you know what i can't help you with a lot of money but i can give you two thousand dollars three thousand mm dollars -hmm. to put in your business and i can also come with like all these experiences and network that i built for my business that i'm not going to use anymore i'm going to give it to you I can recommend it to Ecoing Green. I can talk to you how to get the Bloomberg Award the next time. Mm -hmm. da, 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 so that we can, so we can have more families and more more organizations participating, right? That's what we need. Because if we have if we have momentum, more investors will come in, and then everybody benefits. But if it's just three companies, four companies, Ghana that are that are moving in the right direction, we all lose because we don't have like all the resources that we need. Right. So. I mean. 
This is just to tune in to City Trends on 97.3 City FM. And we're having a conversation with Alyosis Atta. And we are talking about the pathway that we need to chart for agritech in Ghana. And some of the revelations, some of the things that and the insight that he's provided are very um, shocking for me. Um, but it's a, it's a very important lesson to learn. And like you said, it's a very important to learn these lessons very early, yeah. even before you get into it. Because I can imagine a number of you know, young people, old people listening to this conversation, wanting to get into the space and just being minded about the glitz and the glamour of it and forgetting that there's a lot more work to be done within the supply chain, within the transport space, you know, getting to the farmers, information to them. There's so, it, it, you know, when you think about it, there's just so many loopholes that people are not just paying enough attention to and providing even technology to support. Yeah. If you're, if your dream is to be on Forbes 10 and 30 or top 50 Ghana C or some list, don't do it because this thing is hard. Like, you know, if, if, that's, if that's a goal, don't because that runs out very quickly and, and the reality hits you. You have, you have to pay bills, you have to pay salaries. So if you don't have a business that can generate enough money to pay your expenses, pay your bills, don't do it because this thing is not a joke. Mm. It will take from you. Mm. If you start a business like a baby, Babies take from you till they are 18 and then maybe they're lucky they, they get a job and they finally leave your house start eating your food. Like starting a business is similar. It will keep taking from you, son. Like when we started, like you spend your money on trips. Like, you know, you miss your flight. You have to spend your money to book the next flight. You know, like go and crash in somebody's couch. Like stay in a very hot. Like one day I, I went to London. I booked. <laughs> I have many horror stories. I booked, I went on booking.com, got a good accommodation. I thought it was great. I went, it was like a place. It was, it was cold at the time. They have, they had no freezer. Uh, they, they had no heater, heating in the room. Like, and I had to stay there to go for my speaking gig and come back. I came back, I was sick. But when you come back and then you're like, your people see, oh wow, he's traveling abroad. Oh cool. Let me, let me also go and start my business website. And then I was, no, 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 no. Like, if you have to understand that this thing is hard mm-hmm. to take from you, is to take your take your time away from your friends. You can't be there for your friends all the time. You can't be there from your family. Like, I, I, like, you make sacrifices. If you're not ready to do all those things, put yourself always second to this business to understand that, like, you know, maybe your colleagues are, like, choice that, choices are your co- life decisions that colleagues make, yours might come later, mm-hmm. right? You know, and people, you'll be alone at times. Most times you'll be alone, mm-hmm. right? If you have to understand there are good things to read, but it's also, there are also, like, very, very difficult things. And just like a child that will take from you and take your time, mm-hmm. A business that is doing what business that you start will also take from you. He has to be aware of that for sure. I mean, we <laughs> we spend a lot of time trying to you know think through what a good code will be, what a sexy code will be, yeah. and, you know what a sexy tech will be for you know just for the look of it. Yeah. Clearly, there is the entre- entrepreneurial level issues yeah. that obviously need to happen. But then beyond entrepreneurial level issues, there's the there's a there's a governance issue as well. There's a policy conversation to be had about sort of opening certain gates and certain doors mm. for agritech to thrive. Can you can you talk us about can you talk to us about your experience with policy and some of your recommendations for how we can approach it differently yeah. moving forward? I think very simple things like taking the tax away for real, not making entrepreneurs working in agriculture pay tax, mm. at least for some few years, right? Until they get their food, their like you know, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, more affordable loans to businesses that are doing well. Like you know, don't charge the normal interest rate. More affordable loans. Um, involve them in government programs if you can. You know, like you know, so if there's plans for food and job or anything else that government is doing, like they can make it a priority to just like give opportunity to agri tech companies as well. It's just like um, making it easy for foreign investors to put money into the country, and not because many tech startups have to often go abroad create holding companies elsewhere to, in order to receive investment because our regulations just don't and are just not attractive for foreign investors doesn't give comfort so just very simple things can make life like you know a little bit easier i do not think that government should play every like should be everything for for a country i don't think that government should be the only one that provides healthcare or education or even agriculture they should create an enabling environment government should not be in the distribution business um, they, should create a, they should create an environment that al al allows innovations and private sector to come in to support, to take some of the burden off, right? So I have, like, you know, I, I think about many things that government can do, but the easiest ones are just, you know, just give some task break, um, task break on the company, task break, uh, you know, employees, uh, uh, tax, um, um, you know, making it easy for foreign investors to come in and put money into the company, making it easy for local investors to come in and put in the company, making it more you know, a little bit more affordable to attract capital, to invest into agriculture, um, you know, to create change in the rural areas, right? So, like, just things that government can do, honestly, to help. For sure. yeah, they, they sound very basic, but from, from, from the way you speak, it, it seems it, it would eventually go a long way to have a huge impact on the way the, the businesses will run. Yeah, it will increase employment, right? So, if, for instance, if, let's say, I have 50,000 cities for salary for the year, Right, and that with tax, I, with tax, I can only hire let's say maybe five people, and that tax is taken away. Maybe I can hire, I can hire six or seven people, so that's like two more jobs created, right? And maybe that allows me to grow the business to a certain point. Then, then I can start paying tax, right? So those things like will really, really help. Um, what else? If let's say we are importing things into the country, um, like you know, paying tax, allowing companies to maybe even if you don't want the companies to pay the pay tax, allow like companies to pay that money or like pay all the money to let's say your gross all the way all the money goes to the employee mm -hmm. so then you are competitive compared to other companies right so there are many things that can be done for government to make it easier for you know agri-tech companies to come in uh, and um you know play uh, for sure so yeah as, as we wrap up on the conversation i want you to also give us your views on what's the future looks like trends that you observe from where you sit and i mean you can have a couple of minutes to think about that yeah. but i mean in terms of what the future looks like for agri-tech in terms of um what the next 5 10 15 20 years on the continent in ghana as well how can ghana africa the sub-region take a foothold properly so-called in terms of the agri-tech scene because obviously it's a thriving scene but because of one of two issues we can't really necessarily make the inroads but from where you sit what are the global trends today that we can piggyback on what are some of the opportunities that are available today that we can latch on to you know just so that we can put ourselves on a certain pedestal yeah so yeah like i can think about the future in my opinion is both local and global mm. your ability to keep your foot in both worlds will give you a competitive advantage. The gold that we have as Africans is the knowledge of our country, 
knowledge of our continent, the relationships, our skin color, the language, the ability to move between Ghana and Burkina Faso or Ivory Coast. Uh, I went to Benin the other time. They were speaking ever, like, you know, the kingdoms are still there. I went to Ivory Coast, Asini. They were speaking Chui. Like, the ability to go to Kenya and connect to Kenyans and get things done, that's a new gold. And we need to protect that and we need to leverage that and we need to be paid for that. Because everybody else is coming here for that gold. Everybody else is coming here to connect the the rest of the you know the next billion that is offline to bring their business here. So Stripe boss bought pay, pay stack, uh, Goldman Sachs or whoever put a lot of money into Flutterwave. Like people are putting money into the continent, and we have to position ourselves for that goal so that history will not repeat itself, right? Like you know, so that we can also participate in that. Local because when COVID happened, when the world couldn't travel, every community has to stand on its own. So I think that business will start looking into investing in local communities for their own good, right? right? So they're like, let's say if I operate in Northern Ghana, I don't have to fly to Northern Ghana to work there because I've recruited people from Tamale who understand the language, have relationships from there that, that are doing that, who can make it work. They are empowered to get a thing work. So like keeping your, your foot in both worlds is where the future is going to be for every, for most organizations. I also think the future is also going to be remote. Right, like if you're a company in Ghana, you have to embrace it. It's difficult now, especially you know, if your company is not set up, set up that way. We are doing a lot of work to make sure to ask ourselves, how, what do we have to do to go remote, so that we can keep attracting the best Africans to work for the company, the best young people around the world to work for the company. So the future is going to be remote, whether for engineering or for other types of work. Like in a lot of our staff are on the field, just because of the nature of the world, because work we work with. Like, you know, we have people from the... So if you're working in Upper West, you have people from Upper West. We set up an office there. It's all people from Upper West that are working there. The same for Tamale. So the same approach that we are using. So I think the future is going to be remote. If you're an African, if you're a Ghanaian, you are, in, let's say, living in London or somewhere else, like, if you want to participate in the future in a very big way, don't forget your roots. Don't think that, like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm in Mayfair or whatever you are. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a returnee or whatever. Like, like drop that returnee thing fast and come and understand how locals get things done. Don't call your people local. You know, like, come back very quickly and understand how to move and get things done. Because that's the currency. That's, that's what is going to give you a competitive advantage. Your ability to go back to London or wherever you are and relate to people with resources and come back home to your people and get things done very quickly and cheaply. That's the future, right? So, for me... Like, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life because the future is here. Um, and I, I want to keep working with my team to give ourselves a real chance to participate in this opportunity, which is to create a business that creates more for farmers, uh, create more for our partners, create more for our employees, and create wealth for everyone. So it's all about doing good and also making a lot of money. The next mile for Farmerline, yeah. talk to us about what that looks like. Um, the, what, the next milestone... Yeah, we want to like serve at least you know two million farmers in the next five years, uh, and we want to do that through partnerships. So we are expanding to Africa this year. We we'll have an office there. Uh, if, if you know any Ivorian people from Abidjan, like please please recommend them because. We are not going to be moving Ghanaians to Abidjan, just like how we are not, we don't move Abidjan, like people from Ivory Coast to, yeah. So like that's 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 the approach. Um, we've been West Africa for our logistics work, distribution work, getting products to farmers. But our technology has been used in 25 countries around the world. Um, you know, a million farms, a, a million acres of farms have been mapped. 600,000 farmers have been digitized in our platform. So we want to keep growing that. We want to keep using our lessons and platforms to help many more partners uh, to support millions of farmers. But in West Africa, we want to reach at least 2 million because the market is so big, right? We don't want to be everywhere. We don't want to 
be in every country to serve every farmer. But we want whatever we are learning, be it technology, be it methods, models of supporting farmers, we want that to be public, to be everywhere through governments. We want it to be everywhere through global food companies, global traders, to take our methods, our knowledge, whatever we are doing that is working. Um, they should take it and run with it. What is also not working, we'll also be very honest with that so that nobody repeats the same mistakes that we made. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. Aloysius, thank you so much for being very forthright and open about the reality because people really need to hear, hear those. And um, thank you so much for the insights. And congratulations once again um, on, on, on the, on the award. Should I call it an award? It's just, it's a celebration. It's a celebration, a recognition. Yeah. But still, yeah. Charlie, if you hear him, if you hear Aloysius on any platform, you said um, there was an event um, in July or June? June 30th. Yeah. June 30th. The link is on our website. It's on our, it's on our in the social media pages, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. So you just go there. You see the post and you see the link there. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we're speaking and sharing more, sharing more about our work to the world. So please, please make time to join if you can. Well, let, let's support one of our very own, um, definitely on the global, on the global scene. Whether it is going to bring um, extra investment or um, whatever it is, this is this is made from home, and so we support made from made from home. Talia Lawyers, thank you so much for for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, the show does continue on City Trends. We have the app segment and then your tech as well coming up. Not forgetting the trending segment as well with Mr. Entry. Don't go anywhere. Very, very insightful conversation there. And now it's time for us to find out what the latest productivity app is and how it can benefit you. Well, Jeffrey is here with the app segment of the show. Good evening, everyone. You're welcome to the app segment on City Trends. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the Fix Ghana platform. This platform is specifically built to promote citizen involvement in nation building. Now, let's listen to all that this platform is about. The Fixing Ghana platform is an initiative under the I-Impact movement, which is a movement born out of the idea that it takes the right kind of citizens' involvement or participation for a nation to develop as it should. So at a time when direct calls for Ghana to be fixed is quickly taking over our nation-building narrative, we, we put forward Fixing Ghana, the Fixing Ghana platform to offer citizens across the nation and even beyond a way to meaningfully engage the relevant authorities to fix Ghana one problem at a time. We believe that regardless how far or fast it goes, the cause to fix Ghana will achieve little if all we do is to demand in general terms from leadership in general to fix Ghana in general. But if we got specific, identify specific problems, took them to the doorsteps of those with a mandate to fix such problems and followed up till those problems are fixed, so much will be achieved. The Fixing Ghana platform, therefore, is designed to allow citizens to report identified problems within their localities for those problems to be compiled and forwarded to the relevant authorities for redress. Once forwarded, the platform will activate and facilitate the follow-up and feedback link between the citizens and the relevant authorities until the problems are fixed. And where citizens come up with innovative, cost-effective, and easy-to-execute ways of fixing any of the problems reported, 
the platform allows them to propose those solutions so that the compiled, they are compiled and then forwarded to the relevant authorities for their consideration, possible adoption and execution. Then on a quarterly basis as we proceed along this collaborative path to nation building, citizens who actively participate as well as authorities who are the most supportive in the process processes leading to uh, fixing identified problems will be celebrated by being given the Omambapa Award. We intend the Fixing Ghana platform to be a lifelong nation-building companion for Ghanaians who, which grows as the people and the nation itself grows. On this note, we call upon all actors and stakeholders within our nation-building narrative, citizens from all walks of life, including those in the diaspora, the civil society organizations, the faith-based organizations, corporate Ghana, the tech community, the NGOs, the media, the government, both central and local, and all of us to get on board, play our part, and help fix Ghana one problem at a time. Thank you. So that was the Fixing Ghana platform. In these times when we are fighting for the country to be fixed, why don't you try it out and tell us what you think? Do you have any apps that you want us to talk about on this segment? Why don't you get in touch with me via Twitter at OJ Sapon? O-J-S-A-R-P-O-N-G. My DM is open, so send me a message and let's get talking. When you hear the name Ellen, you should know there's only one thing that is likely to follow. Well, it's relevant information and Ellen is up next with the Your Tech segment of the show where we try to give you some answers to some of those burning technology questions that you might have with some of the technologies that are around you. Take it away, Ellen. Hello and good evening once again. This is the Your Tech segment with me, Ellen Dapa. On the session this week, we would be continuing with what we started last week. So last week, we spoke to Nanajima, who complained about his laptop running slow. He had tried whatever he could to get the laptop running, but it wasn't working. Let's recap and then listen to what Nanajima's problem was. My laptop has been extremely slow. Um, I don't know what is happening. It was fine yesterday night. I turned it on to work this morning. It's been slow, slow to load. Uh, initially the software opened then it couldn't load i've restarted it like twice it's still the same thing the memory is fine i don't know what is happening i don't know if it's a virus but i haven't connected any external device also so i'm a bit confused i don't know yeah so last week you know we spoke a lot about some of the things that we can do to prevent our laptops from running slow we spoke about um, updating your antivirus scanning for malware scanning for viruses and then getting them off alongside updating your antivirus and then we also spoke about and um, checking your startup programs looking for them and deactivating them so they don't run in the background to get your laptop running slow so this week we are bringing you the second part of the conversation on some of the things we can do to prevent our laptops or our phones our machines our gadgets from running slow there is something called defrag okay if you are defragging it means that your files can also be fragmented now usually as you use a computer anytime you give instruction for the computer to save it finds the next available space and it dumps your data there okay but as you use the computer you realize that the files are in so many different different locations so if you want to call up one file portions of the file one portion of the file is in accra 
one is in Kaswa, another portion is in Kumasi. The computer has to read all those files and put them together and process them to give you the information. And that makes it slow. So you want them to be all together. So you run a defragmentation um, um, operation on your computer. There's an app built into the computer for that. You can just right click on your um, storage device, your main hard, um, hard disk, and uh, in the options, you will find it over there. These days they call it optimize. So when you so run an analysis, then you can optimize and your computer will run better. Sometimes also our habits, you know, um, change over time. So as you become much more conversant with the computer and technology, your needs and expectation from your computer also increases. And because of that, now the performance of the laptop is not meeting your expectations anymore. So what you want to do is to upgrade the, 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 the performance of your computer with things that you can upgrade. Most of the time, the easiest and the fastest you can do is your random access memory. So you want to add new um, um, RAM modules to your computer to give you more RAM. So if you, let's say your computer came with 8 gig, you can double that to 16 gig or to 32 gig to whatever your computer can take, depending on the number of free resources that you have on your computer. Number seven, clean the vents. Okay, now one of the things that affect performance of a computer, any computer, is heat. Okay, the computers are designed with a system of vents and fans that cool the processor and the memory. But over time, especially in our part of the world, those passageways get clogged with dust, gets lined up with dust. The logic boards or motherboards also get lined up with dust. And when that happens, they can't breathe or they can't give out or radiate the heat and cool down. So the computer heats up. And once it heats up, it can't work efficiently and optimally. So you want to clean your computer. If you are not technically minded, with this, you will need a technician to do that. So they need to open it up, clean the logic or motherboard, clean all the components, clean the case and everything so that the computer is, is clean and it can take in air and exhaust it, taking the heat with it, and your computer will run very well. Number eight, we can also talk about um, back, backing up and formatting your OS. All the things that we mentioned about a lot of them, you can easily get rid of them by just copying all the things you have on your computer and um, formatting your computer, i.e. reinstalling your operating system, installing everything back and starting on a clean slate. The last one I will talk about, if all these things fail, another thing that can be a problem is your hard disk drive. Now, as you use the computer over time, the hard disk drive weakens, especially for those of us who like moving around with a laptop. It puts a lot of stress on the hard disk drive. So it becomes weak and cannot spin as fast as it should. Okay? And if that happens, you, at some point, you might have to change your hard disk drive because that can seriously slow down your computer. Um, these are the things that I have um, learned over time, and I hope these tips as you um, put them into practice 
will improve the performance of your computer. Thank you and all the best. Bye bye. We hope this helps. Always get in touch with me. The name is at EA Dapa on Twitter. That's my handle, EA Dapa. The Dapa is D A P A H. Talk to me about your problems and let's help each other out. Enjoy the rest of your week. Well, we try to bring you up to date and keep you updated on all things tech. The man who supervises that particular bit of the show is Mr. Entry, and he brings you the trending segment of the show. Thank you, Philip, and I welcome you all to the biggest stories in the technology ecosystem here in Ghana and in other parts of the world. This week, I bring you stories from a recent $1 million US dollar fundraised by a Ghanaian company, update on Twitter's ban in Nigeria, and news on a new tool Twitter has learned to fight misinformation, and finally, a new ad banned by YouTube that will interest you. To our first story, the Ghanaian fintech company, Absent Mobile, has closed the $1 million investment from Oasis Capital VC Fund to scale its e-payment services for businesses in Ghana. Absent Mobile currently provides custom mobile payment services to help micro, small, and medium enterprises that digitalize their entire collection process. According to the company, they plan to grow its mobile-based virtual point-of-sale flagship product with a fund raised as well as USSD-enabled application that allows SMEs receive payments from customers. To our next story, the ban of Twitter in Nigeria is in its second week, and negotiations between Twitter and Nigeria government may start soon. What we know so far is the Nigerian government has ordered media outlets to stop using the platform for its activities. Some lawyers are questioning the legality of the ban and the Nigerian parliament has invited the Minister of Information to answer questions about the ban. Also, many Nigerians now use Twitter via VPN, that's the virtual private network. Finally, last week, in a series of tweets, the company stated that they are interested in a dialogue with the Nigerian government to help it restore its service in the country. In other developments at Twitter, the company has launched a new tool called Birdwatch to help fight misinformation on the platform. The new feature, which is currently only available to few pilot participants, requires users to add notes that provide more information to misleading tweets. According to Twitter, this is a community-based approach to fighting misinformation on its platform. To our last story of the week, YouTube is banning alcohol, gambling, and political ads for its most prominent ad slot. YouTube will no longer be accepting ads relating to alcohol, gambling, politics, and prescription drug terms for its masterhead ad slot, which appears at the top of the website and app. According to the statement about the ad ban, YouTube said, we believe this update will build on the changes we have made last year to the masterhead reservation processes and will lead to a better experience for users. According to the company, ads in the masterhead slot can drive massive awareness and reach. But now, that megaphone will only be available to people wanting to advertise in certain spaces. That's all for this week. You can follow me on Twitter at YaoNGUSU. What do you feel?
that's all time will allow us on the show. It's been such a pleasure coming your way. Remember that City Trends is sponsored by First National Bank. How can we help you? But then a big thank you to the rest of the production crew, to my guests on the show as well for all the insight and to you for doing the listening. Remember, the show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow morning. So make sure you look out for it across all the podcast platforms that you are on. My name is Philip Pichon. Till next week. Stay techie!